guys, I'm Hannah. And I'm Colleen. And we combined have lived in Iraq for... 11 years. We get a lot of questions about life in Iraq, and we decided that the best way to address those questions is to do a little podcast. So we're going to answer some questions that are really common. The ones that get asked all the time. Yeah, because apparently it's a weird thing living in Iraq. Who knew? <sighs> so strange. So this week... Uh, where we have another guest, our second guest ever, Woo-hoo. Katrina. You want to say hello? Hello. Um, so, Katrina, tell us why Why are you our guest this week? Well, I think I'm your guest this week because I'm somewhat of an expert shopper <laughs> when it comes to shopping in the bazaar in Kurdistan. Yeah, I think that's true. Definitely true. I don't know that I ever heard anyone like tell stories about enjoying it more than you enjoy it. Yeah. And actually um, I feel like we need to tell the story about the first time you and I met. Cause it's shopping part of that story. <laughs> it isn't is it? part of that story. Yes. Um, so we met before we ever got to Kurdistan. Uh, we met here in Nashville and my, my takeaway was a little bit different than yours. <laughs> Um, so let's hear it from your perspective. <laughs> okay. From my perspective, here's what happened. First, um, I had been living in Kurdistan prior to that time for about six months, uh, before I met you. And then when I met you and found out that we were going to be on a team or a broader team, we were trying to talk about some of the things that might bring us together or potentially we might have in common and I shared that I love to shop at Langa which is the second hand bazaar in Kurdistan and I can stay for hours and what you said <laughs> like right in my face was I'm not shopping with you for three hours in Langa so <laughs> how I interpreted that was she hates me already, and we will not be friends. <laughs> which, which is not at all what I meant. What I meant was, I hate Langa. Like, I, I have been living in Kurdistan for a year at that point, um, and went with another American woman, and just was like, this is the worst. Um, and I think it had more to do with my shopping companions, which included very small children, oh. than with Linga itself. And so, like, I was reliving that, like, traumatic experience. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. Fair so, enough. Fair enough. So we're definitely inviting you on because you you enjoy it way more than I did. I don't know, Colleen. I didn't really. I mean, the bazaar was useful, I don't think our secondhand bazaar was nearly as great as yours was, um, or even as localized. Like it had a few little different areas of it, um, but yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't the place I usually wanted to go for hours. Certainly, mm-hmm. often it would take hours if there was something specific I needed, but it was never my goal. Yeah. Um, what is the? I don't think I ever went in the Suli Bazaar. What is the Suli Bazaar like? The Suli Bazaar is pretty big. Um, There's several main streets that are wide and, you know, theoretically you should be able to have cars on them, but usually they're blocked off. People just walk on them and Mm -hmm. it all focuses kind of around the big mosque in the city. And um, then off of those big streets, there are kind of these 
tunnel-like spaces. Right. And then, you know, the further away you get from the main streets, the smaller and narrower everything gets and the smaller and tinier the shops get. And then there's little stairs up and down and basements and... Yeah. And it just, it's a maze. But I think i think all of them are a little bit like that in the yeah. sense that it's a maze. And Erbil is distinctly different. Like their main bazaar, right? I think my experience in their main bazaar is uh, much less than in the secondhand bazaar. But there are sections of the main bazaar, like technically devoted to specific things you're shopping for. There's a produce section. There's a men's section. There's a fabric section, electronics, that kind of thing. So there is some kind of organization. I cannot say that I ever figured out exactly how to maneuver within that organization. Because right. <laughs> that bazaar is huge. Yeah, very huge. Well, you can't and walking then, and eventually you're like, oh, plumbing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Oh, yeah. they have real wood products here? I yeah. never knew that. If I ever need this, I don't think I'll be able to find this again. <laughs> never yeah. again. And the Erbil Bazaar has, like, Doctor Street and, like, Computer Street. So it's even more confusing, wow. I feel like. We're yes. to hook because it was a smaller city. And actually, they redid the bazaar my last year there and made the road go around it in a big circle. So you were just like continually driving around and around the main part of the bazaar until you saw the thing that you were looking for. Um, And you could get out and walk around too. Um, I think I've done that. Yeah, you've done it with me because we were looking for plumbing and light fixtures. Yeah, I remember that. (laughs) And it was like a holiday. And so we were just driving around to see what was open. And yeah, I think we went around about eight times. Mm -hmm. Wow. I remember. Um, I never figured out the organization of the Dehook Bazaar either. And in that bazaar, it's the regular bazaar and the secondhand bazaar together. Yeah. Which and that's the true. way it's in Suli, too. Like, the second hand is mostly is just, like, next to mm-hmm. the regular bazaar. And you can, like, wander your way and, like, suddenly you're in, you know, stuff that's all labeled with, like, Salvation Army stickers. Mm-hmm. But the Erbil is different, right? Langa's. Yes, completely different. In Erbil, the second hand bazaar that they call Langa is a completely different bazaar area in a different neighborhood with its own parking and its own... Its own area of blocks mm-hmm. down the street. And there, the Erbil Bazaar, and I, maybe this will be too, Jahook didn't feel this way, but it feels very old. And they've kind of put effort into restoring the oldness. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the draws for me, as opposed to other places that we could have shopped. I appreciated the traditional feeling and look of it and the idea that that's the way national people had been shopping for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciated uh, some sections more than others, I will say. Uh, it is kind of off-putting if you're in the meat section uh, <laughs> because there's, like, lots of big slabs of meat hanging, and they smell bad, and there might be, like, animal parts, like a whole head or leg or mm. uh, the face with little teeth. Um But it's all part of the experience of the culture. And after a few trips, you get over that and and you learn to embrace it as part of learning and loving the culture that you're living in. Yeah. Um, Reminds me of what something you mentioned a little earlier before we started recording was that 
there's the little stream, like a like a gutter going down the middle of the, the bazaar. And then this is this way in Suli, too, where it's, like, always got this little stream of muddy water in the meat section. Some of it's blood mm-hmm. and trash. trash floating down. And, mm-hmm. like, it, it all reeks. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the pathways are super narrow in, in a lot of the bazaar, the further back end you go. But then there are always the guys with the carts, with sweets, yeah. that are, like, shouting about, like, how much it is for each sweet. And the cart is, like, as big as the aisle is. But they're, like, determined that they're going to get yeah. up there yeah. and sell their sweets. And you just are like, oh, I guess we have to get out of the way now. Because they'll run you down. Like, they don't <laughs> care. Yeah, I never had small children living there with me. But I always... Uh, hated going with friends who were trying to take a baby stroller. Mm-hmm. Sorry to be honest, but I just found it's just it very difficult. difficult. Yeah, or even to keep track of a small child. Yeah, like because the Kurdish women would bring their kids, and I can't tell you how many times a kid would like stand and stare at me, and his mom would be gone, and I'd be like, "You got it! Like your mom is gone, man!" And then mom would come back and like scold him and look at me and be like, "Sorry." It's like he's not bothering me, but like I could have taken him and like run away, which maybe the moms would be like, "Yeah, please do that." But sometimes they might come back for their child and take your picture holding the child. That's also has happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Or they'll, like, follow you around and go into the little shops that you go into. That yes. happens so many times when yes. we're shopping in the bazaar because sometimes we're the only foreigners to be seen. Mm-hmm. It's very traditional. Very traditional clothing, very traditional scents and sights. And all of a sudden, we're looking at these purses. Nobody's around these purses. We're looking at these purses. Maybe me, my two daughters, we turn around to walk out, and there's ten women behind us looking at the same person. <laughs> yeah, really, they're probably just looking more at us to figure out, or why do the foreigners want these purses? But yeah, like, yeah, if that you're happened. interested, it must be cool, right? Mm-hmm. It happened many, many times when yeah. we were shopping. In I always felt like traditional areas. If uh, shopkeepers, you know, gave me a good deal on something, like. It, it was worth it for them to want for me to come back because it was bringing like other people into their shops, uh-huh. you know, especially there were some scarf sellers that I knew well that, yeah. that always gave me really good deals and stuff. And like, I would go back to them and I knew every time I walk in there, it's empty. When I go in, by the time I leave, there's like 10, 10 ladies in there. Yeah. And that's kind of another aspect of of shopping in the bazaar. And I think one of the reasons I kind of found it intimidating is that, like, there's not set prices for things. Mm -hmm. There's always, like, an argument about how much you have to pay. And, like, I found that really stressful. (laughs) Well, in the regular bazaar area, there's lots of signs to let you know how much things cost, but then you also have to know how to read the numbers mm-hmm. um, because they're not written in our number system, but that's why you learn quickly. Um, one of the first things I ever learned in Kurdish was to ask, how much does it cost? Uh-huh. And then I quickly learned, I have to know the numbers to understand the answer. <laughs> so in a secondhand bazaar, things are not labeled. Their costs are not labeled generally. 
And so you do have to engage in a conversation with the shop owner. And so then you have the opportunity to haggle, which is the traditional norm, the cultural norm. So you just learn a few key sentences and skills. And uh, I got a lot of fabulous bargains that way. You, You ask how much, the shop owner gives you a figure, you immediately give him the look, and you tell him, that's too expensive. And you turn around and start to walk away. <laughs> and many, many, many times, he will give you um, an, another figure that is lower. He'll call you back and say, okay, okay, how about for you today? For you special. Yes, for you, a lesser number. <laughs> and so I got a lot of fabulous deals. I just had to learn a few things in Kurdish, just like all the ladies around me. Look and listen, watch a few times, see how they're doing it. Pretty, They're pretty abrupt. They're pretty firm. They're not kindly asking him to lower the prices. They're not um, begging. They are telling him, your prices are too expensive. It's not worth that. I'm not paying that. And they turn their back and start to walk away. So I just did the same thing. And then the shop owner will call me back, say, oh, excuse me, sorry, just a minute. And will start negotiating for mm-hmm. a price that I find and he finds is appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's that, like, turn your back and walk away thing that to me was just like, I feel like I'm being so rude, which you wouldn't think would bother me. Like, I, I don't generally mind being rude, but for some reason in that context, I was just like, but I really want this thing. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and but you do have to be willing to give it up, like because yeah. there are the occasional person who's like, I don't know how to haggle with this foreigner. I'm just gonna let her go. Like, mm-hmm. or you know, they they think, oh, you have a ton of money because you're a foreigner, so you'll you'll pay whatever I yeah. want. And like my that's favorite true. was watching, you know, someone like give me a price that's like way too high. Like, and then having, like, once I learned some Kurdish, being able to overhear other ladies in the shop being like, oh, he, you know, he's just trying to scam her. Poor yes. girl. Yes. And, like, I can understand them. And so then I'm like, dude, you're just, you're, I'm not that stupid. You know, it's way too expensive. Sorry. And then having those other ladies be like, ooh, <laughs> she knows what she's talking about. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I definitely felt like. It was uh, entertainment factor for everyone else there anytime I went into the bazaar, okay. whether like with other foreigners or with my local friends. Um, it was definitely like, and I had, because I, I would go to the bazaar with my students and they would be like, Miss, people watch you. Like, they're, <laughs> they're, or like we'd walk by a group and they'd be like, did you hear what they said about you? And I was like, no, <laughs> like, I don't know what they said. Thankfully, I didn't. <laughs> and we're like, oh, they said da, 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 da. And I was like, just don't tell me. I don't, <laughs> don't want to know. know. And they were like, yeah, yeah, this is better. <laughs> yeah, oh, that, that is one point, I think, that when you shop in Kurdistan in a traditional environment like the a bizarre setting, whether it's a downtown or whether it's in a smaller neighborhood or whether it's the secondhand bazaar, it's going to be a traditional setting. And there's not a lot of foreigners who venture that way. My family, sorry, we were the crazy ones that we preferred to shop that way. 
um, went to the malls for shopping on an extremely limited basis, went to the mall for ground beef and cheaper milk. That's yeah. really basically what we went to the mall about once or twice a month to the grocery store in the mall. Other than that, we shopped locally and traditionally, but if you have a personality that really doesn't like to be looked at or whispered about. It takes some time to get used <laughs> yeah, to that. It um, does. I don't mind at all being a center of attention, <laughs> and I couldn't understand mostly what they were saying about me, so yeah. I just would smile and move on and continue my shopping in yeah. peace. <laughs> but yeah, you definitely don't go unobserved yeah. um, at all. Especially if you're asking for something unusual. I mean, that, some of my favorite experiences in the bazaar were when I was, like, because you can find anything there. You know, if there's something weird or, like, that's the only place you're going to be able to find it. Sure. And so, um, one time for one of the high school science classes, they were supposed to dissect eyeballs, cow eyeballs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, I went to the bazaar to ask for eyeballs. And, like, <laughs> the butchers are like, what? They're like, no, no, you don't. You don't know what you're asking for. You don't actually mean that. I pull out paper and a pencil. I'm drawing pictures and I'm using the right words. They just don't believe me. Right. And so finally I get them to understand that I want like 25 eyeballs. (laughs) And they're like, okay, we don't have those today. Come back. Come back. You know, in a couple tomorrow. days. No, tomorrow, tomorrow, inshallah. Well, inshallah. they didn't even promise me tomorrow. They were like, you know, come back in like two or three days. We'll have it in like two or three days. Some so, weird American ritual <laughs> involving cow, cow, cow eyeballs. And so, like, I came back in two or three days, and the guys were like, oh. Like, they didn't think I was serious. Right. Like, that I was actually going to come back for these things. Right. That I really actually wanted them. And so, Thought like... it was, like, a prank. Maybe. And so they didn't have them. So then they're like, okay, two or three more days. This time we really will have them. Yes, we can get them. And so I came back again two or three days later, and... Those guys weren't there, but the shop next to them was open, and he was like, oh, oh, no, no, no. Like, I, like, obviously, I'm the only American, American looking for eyeballs. For eyeballs in I, the know, bazaar. I know to be looking for you. Yeah. Yeah. And so he handed me, he's like, they, they told me, they told me about these things, you know, so he handed me the sack of eyeballs. Like a plastic Like a plastic Whoa. sack of eyeballs. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, obviously, like, at that point, I'm, I've am i talked to so many of these butchers that they're all out there watching me get this sack of eyeballs and, like, laughing hysterically. Like, none of them believed that this was real, that I really wanted these. And so I'm like, how much do these cost? Like, yeah, did what, they you give want you a good deal? And they gave them to me for free. They were My like, yes. no, 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 you don't need to pay for these. <laughs> and I was like, really? <laughs> like, they're for a science class. It's perfect. And so, but I ended up getting 23. Oh, weird. And I just, I don't know why there's not an even number. <laughs> 23. It, one of them came from the cow they, they called Winky. Uh, <laughs> Something like that. Cyclops. So, yeah, I mean, definitely the center of attention when you're asking for something yeah. unusual. Yeah, I was never asking for anything that strange. I did get a lot of weird looks and absolute no's when I asked the butchers if they could make me ground chicken. They absolutely thought I was out of my mind to ask them to use the meat grinder to grind chicken. And none of them would do it for me. None of them would do Hmm. that. Yeah, so I had a Kurdish neighbor who had a meat grinder, and we just tried it 
with hers. Yeah. But in the beginning, I was looking for ground chicken, and no, they thought I was crazy. <laughs> yeah, they sell a product called like minced chicken. It's kind of odd, but I wanted ground chicken, and nah, no, I got over that fast. Yeah, just eat whatever. Which I feel like I almost never got an absolutely not like no, definitely no. It was always like, oh, well, tomorrow. Or like, well, I can't do it for you, but if you go down there to that guy, he'll do it. Yes. They're not going to tell you no or I don't know. Uh-huh. Yeah. Sometimes that plays in when you are asking for directions to a place. Did you ever experience this, Katrina, where you were sent off on a wild goose chase for something and like people obviously didn't know what they were I feel like about? that's why we drove around the Dehook Bazaar yes. so many times. <laughs> Even if they don't know, they're going to give you an answer because it's an honor-shame culture, and they they don't want to be ashamed that they don't know how to help you. So they're going to give you some kind of an answer. Um, the same way with the guy, with several guys, actually, with the ground chicken. They didn't say no to me. They said, I can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can. Take the chicken, put it in the grinder. Just like you take the beef and put it in the grinder. But they're not going to say no. They're going to give you an answer. And sometimes they don't really know the answer for directions. If I'm looking for duct tape, he doesn't have it. But he's going to point me down this alley, tell me to take a left and three shops down, even if he doesn't know. Mm -hmm. And we would just say thank you and smile. And sometimes we would try it. We would try the directions. After a while... We learned. Gonna get to somebody else that you can ask for more directions from, and eventually <laughs> you'll wander around deep enough and far enough and wide enough that you're gonna run across what it is you're looking for. Yeah, yeah. A trip to the bazaar is never like an hour, like run in, get the thing that you need, and leave. I feel like it always turns into like a wonder about, and even if you're looking for one specific thing. You end up just kind of like wandering around, hoping that you maybe stumble upon it. Um, well, that's the way I like to shop. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> that's why you wouldn't want to go with me for three mm-hmm. hours because I like the wandering and the treasure hunt of the bizarre scene. Like, I don't want to go to a mall in America and wander around for three hours. Sure. I'd rather die. Right? Not actually, but it would be miserable <laughs> to me. But that is something that I enjoy. I also shop secondhand in America and spend a lot of time looking for treasures secondhand here in America. So I just transferred that passion to a new culture and a new scene, and it was something amazing to find treasures from all over the world, clothing from uh, popular designers that I could never afford, or leather shoes like we do have a story about that hannah yeah um, i got the shoes although yep. did you, you want to fight over the shoes it wasn't really a we fight were in my bazaar we were in the hook in hannah's bazaar yes we were and we both sort of spotted these boots at the same time keens. and they're keens and they're fabulous do you still have those yes i do <laughs> and i wear them regularly and uh, they were beautiful like ankle olive green leather keen boots fabulous like probably worn maybe twice oh yeah in fabulous condition and probably how much do you think they would cost 
here. Oh, 100 bucks, Easy. Yeah, that's what I think. So, um, we both knew not to overreact. That's one thing. Right. When you find something, especially in the secondhand bazaar, that you know is a designer or an expensive brand, you don't overreact. You pick it up and you look at it and you sort of act like you're potentially interested and then you sort of hesitantly put it back down and you make this face of like, eh, maybe. <laughs> and then you ask the guy real casually, like, how much do these cost? Just maybe I'm interested. And it gives you a price and you go, no, that's too expensive. And then it gives you a lesser price. And I I paid maybe 10000 Iraqi dinars yeah, for those. Which so is like, like $9. Bucks. $9. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. and I've gotten years of wear out of those yeah. fabulous boots. Well, in your defense, I did find a nice pair of uh, lined leather boots in your bazaar. Yes. That I still have that only cost me $10, like maybe $10 at the most. Um, yeah, I love those boots. I still wear them. So my feelings aren't hurt anymore because I did get some good boots. <laughs> did not divide us. <laughs> it did not. Yeah, but like Colleen said earlier, I would return to the same shops time after time Mm -hmm. because the shop owners um, feel like then you're one of their regular customers. Sure. And then they're more willing to give you uh, discounts. And if you bring other people, if I went shopping with my neighbor, well, guess what? I'm definitely going to stop by my regular stops too. And maybe those are places she'd never gone before. So she's going to be shopping from this guy. It's... um, it was a good benefit for us to go uh, return to the same shop owners because then we're known in the area right. as a family who lives in this community. Mm-hmm. And that's what we wanted to establish is that we wanted to become part of the community where we were living. But also to benefit the shop owners, to bring him more business, it was working both ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He would help us, we would help him. And um, many, many, many of them, after regular shopping with them, knew that I was a teacher. So most of them would greet me as, hello, teacher, how are you, in in Kurdish. And it's very, very endearing to return to the same shop owner. And he would say, I haven't seen you in three weeks. Where have you been, teacher? (laughs) I've been busy. You know, then he's asking about my family and my neighbors. And yeah, it was great. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, I don't feel like I ever frequented a bazaar enough. But I did go, um, when I went back to visit, I went with uh, Miss Alia and my dad. And she, we went up to the uh, Citadel, the really old city in Erbil, and then down into the bazaar, because it's right there. Um, And she goes there all the time. And she took us to, like, her spice guy, Mm. which I've been in that bazaar a bunch, and I'm pretty sure I walked by his shop, like, 20 times. And it never registered because he does, like, spices, but also, like, hair tonic and henna and, like, shampoo. And so it just looks like Mm. this random stand. And, uh, but she took us to him and got her special spice mix. And that woman, like... She just, like, walked in, and all of the, like, fruit guys were like, Oh, Miss! Miss Alia! Hello! Hello! And she was like, yes, yes, I'm going, like, you know, like, hello, but I'm I'm focused. I'm going to where I'm going. Um, And she got to him, and she was like, I need, like, a kilo 
of my spice mix. And he was like, okay, no problem. And he went upstairs to where he grinds spices and, like, he knew exactly what she wanted and, like, the weights of everything. And we're standing down there and she's like, yeah, I've been coming to him for years and we figured this out between us, the balance that I like. And he knows exactly what I like and he makes it exactly right every single time. And I was just like, this is crazy. And he just knows when you and walk up. he just up. knows that yeah. that's what she's there for. Yeah. That's, a, that's something that, like, you know, in my whole life living in American culture, that's something I've never experienced. Yeah. yeah. But in a culture, having experience in a different culture, and you see those kinds of things it's such a learning experience. It's such an amazing opportunity to live in another culture and just be a part, try to be a small part of it. Yeah. Look and listen and learn, but then try to step into it in, a, in some little way. Mm-hmm. A very amazing experience. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when I took my mom to one of my favorite scarf sellers and like he knew me and he looked at her and he's like, oh, she's your mother, isn't she? Oh. Wow. Oh, and like wanted his picture with her, and, <laughs> yeah. and I was like, "Yep, yeah, this is my mom." Sometimes shopping though didn't go so well. Early on, I remember a story that a teacher friend likes to remind me about. An Iraqi teacher friend, she likes to also tell it publicly and <laughs> embarrass oh. me on a regular basis. Sure. Yeah, when I was first learning Kurdish, and I was not shy to try, so I made a lot of foolish mistakes. But we were in a shoe shop in the secondhand bazaar, and we were looking around at different shoes. And I found a pair, and the shop owner was trying to convince me that I needed them. Mm -hmm. And so he was giving me a pretty good price for them. And he asked me, what do you think about them? How do you like them? And I was trying to tell him that I think they're beautiful, but I mistakenly said I think they taste delicious <laughs> and so that has been a memory of shopping for years uh-huh. when I was using my language early on and learning the hard way and they got a big laugh out of that yeah my fr- my teacher friend and the shop owner laughed a lot and he probably told his family over dinner or something yes. oh, you're crazy famous. white woman yeah. this crazy foreigner just told me that this pair of used shoes taste delicious. delicious. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had that experience. Um, in the hook, we had this place called the Vegetable Dungeon. That's what we called it. I was like, um, really? Yes. Because it was like underneath a building. Yeah, I know. And mm-hmm. I was in there buying potatoes, I think. And he was trying to charge me too much. And I was trying to tell him, like, this is too expensive. No way. This is too expensive. But I got the words for expensive and hot confused and I was like no these potatoes are too hot I can't buy them they're too hot and my friend that was with me was just like um 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 and he was looking at me like why are you being crazy I wonder how many nights we were the topic of somebody's conversation in some Kurdish home or some Kurdish um, tea shop or somebody somewhere mm-hmm. has been laughing at us. Yep. Yep. 
Which is We're probably like someone's family legend or something, <laughs> like somewhere along the, the way. Stories will grow and get bigger <laughs> and more fantastical with each telling. And, and someday, you know, 20 years from now, we'll go back and we'll hear the story of, you know, the crazy person who was doing cartwheels down the middle of the bazaar. Uh-huh. Eating shoes. <laughs> Eating <laughs> shoes. Well, Katrina, thanks. Thanks for coming. Thanks for talking to us. Thanks for sharing your expertness. Sure. Yeah. You can find us at Servant Group International on Facebook or Instagram or on our website at servantgroup.org. Yeah, and if you have a question that we haven't answered yet, send us an email or Facebook message. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Painless.